praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Should be a short message today. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight pages. They're not all, they're not all gonna be spoken, I'd say. Well, hallelujah. So have you heard? We're planning to go to two services. You might be asking, well, why? You know, well, take a look around and see all the empty seats that are here. You know, for the first time in the history of Edgewood Church, in October of 2022, that was a long time ago. <laughs> Last month, for the first time in the history of Edgewood Church, we averaged over 200 in attendance for a month. And so, you know, when you, when you become get to be that, you know, there's not really a whole lot more room. If you look probably out in the parking lot, there's not really a whole lot more room out there. And so in order for us to really to continue to grow, which the Lord has been doing something here, you know, people, you know, when they ask you, well, are you doing anything different? No, we're not doing anything different. It's just, it's just the Lord's time, I imagine, I guess. And, and the world's become different. And I think that with the world becoming different and, and, the, and the message that's going forth and, and it being so clearly seen now, the, the contrast between those who are preaching the true gospel and those who aren't, Amen. that it draws people in. And so we just need to continue to preach the gospel, right? And we need to continue to go out to a lost and dying world. Like that's what, isn't that what the baptism of the Holy Spirit's for? The main purpose is for us to be witnesses and so that's what we're doing. And we're just, I'm so excited about what God is doing. And, uh, and, I, and I know it has, I know I'm involved in it, but it has nothing to do with me. It's all to do with God. It's God's timing. And so we're just going to listen to what God is saying and, and obey him and follow him. And so the next step of obedience for us as a church is to go to two services. So you're going to have to bear with us as we transition into this and what that means in terms of volunteer workers and all of these things. And the worship team is going to have to put in extra time and all of this. And, but you want to know what? Um, whatever time you give to God, he is going to multiply and return back to you. And, and so you can't over-volunteer. You can't, you can't overdo your work in the church because if, if you do, if you overdo it, God's going to overdo it in giving you time back. He's just going to give you more and more time back. So, hallelujah. Uh, I, I'm just uh, so excited. Another thing, I just, um, it was Joel's birthday yesterday, right? Pastor Joel. Many of you know Pastor Sam. He's my other son. Today is his birthday. <laughs> they're twins. They were born a couple of, no, no, no. They're three years apart. And I promised one young little girl named Eloise, um, do I, is Stephanie Blander even in here? Is she? Oh, there, there she is. She, she turned 30 this year. Okay, so it was a little bit older than 30. It might have been 40. It might have been a little bit older than that, but I'm not going to say how old a woman is. But she had a, she had a, a, a milestone birthday this, this week, so we want to, Stephanie, we just want to wish you a happy birthday. <laughs> She wanted me to sing, but I don't think I'm going to do that. <laughs> Instead, we're just going to give thanks. So our series this, this month is called Give Thanks. It's, uh, it's November. It's the month of Thanksgiving. 
And so we're going to give thanks. And our, and our series text is from Psalm 100. So we're going to read that first, and then we're going to look today at Psalm 95. This is what, uh, last week we looked at Psalm 33. This week we're looking at Psalm uh, 95. But Psalm 100 says, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. There's your first imperative. The, the, the first command is to make. Make what? A joyful noise to the Lord. The next one is serve. Serve the Lord with gladness. Serve the Lord with gladness. You know, and that's, you know, even on, when we have our work nights, you can just see the joy on people's faces. That they're serving, and they're serving with gladness. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come. He's saying, come. Here's, an, here's another command. Come. Come into his presence with singing. Then he calls us to know. Know that the Lord, he is God. So, in other words, when he's, telling you, when he's telling you to know something, he's saying, listen, figure it out. Search it out. Look into it. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter. All right, come on in. Keep coming. Enter his gates with what? Thanksgiving. We need to be thankful. We need to be thankful, you know. It says in Romans 1 that although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, and their foolish hearts became darkened. And they exchanged the glory of the only, the only God for, for the creation and for created things and for foolishness. And they became foolish themselves. But he says they, they knew God. They did not honor him as God or give thanks. And so we are going to be careful to what to enter his gates with what? Thanksgiving. We are going to be careful to give thanks to God. It doesn't matter what your circumstances are, what's going on around the world. You know, how, how someone is treating you or how, you know, none of those things matter. What matters is, is that God is real, that he loves you. And he's calling us to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And then we are told to give. What? Give thanks. So enter with thanks and then give thanks to him. Bless his name. Just bless the Lord right now. Lord, we just bless your name. We just thank you for your faithfulness. You are the faithful God, forever the same. We worship you. We thank you. We give you thanks right now for who you are and what you're doing in our lives. We thank you, God. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness to all generations. This is our God. This is who we serve. And so, Father, we just come before you this morning. Declaring that we love you, God. And asking you, Lord, asking you to do a deep work in our hearts, Lord. Because we need you. So give us ears to hear, hearts and minds to know and understand. And Lord, we ask that you will help us to distinguish the voice of the Lord from the voice of the enemy because the liar is continuing to lie, to spew forth his lies, and he wants us to hear his voice. Lord, help us to be able to distinguish, and I'm asking you even now to silence the voice of the enemy. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord of all the earth rebuke you, Satan. You have no power or authority here in this place. And Lord, we, we stand firm in our faith, resisting the enemy. He must flee, and we just trust you. We stand on the rock, Jesus, right now. And Lord, we're asking you to speak to our hearts. We want to hear from you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Psalm 95, this is a psalm that shows the awesomeness of God and the fickleness of man. Let me say that again. This is a psalm that shows the awesomeness of God and the fickleness of man. Let's look at Psalm 95. We're going to read the entire psalm. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are also his, or rather are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker, for he is our God and we are his are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand today if you hear his voice do not harden your hearts as at Meribah as on the day at Massa in the wilderness when your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof though they had seen my work for 40 years I I loathed that generation and said, they are a people who go astray in their heart. And they have not known my ways. Therefore, I swore in my wrath. They shall not enter my rest. Wow, this, this is a psalm that we're, gonna, that we're looking at today that just, it's just incredible beginning. And then it takes this funny little turn. So we're going to look at that today. First thing we're going to look at is the awesomeness of God. And in this psalm, we're, we're being called. This is God calling to us. God is saying, come. And the word come appears three times. Right at the very beginning, he says, oh, come. He's calling you to come. Think of your, your week or maybe your year or maybe your life. Has it been tough? Have you been going through difficult times? Are we as a nation going through difficult times? Then God is saying, come. Come into my house. This is the place that you're going to find rest. This is the place that you're going to find hope. This is the place that you're going to find the truth. This is the place where the lies are going to be exposed. And this is the place where you're going to get the strength to walk and to stand in the truth and to not give in to the lies. Come and let us sing. To whom? To the Lord. Come and let us sing to the Lord. Then it says in verse 2, come into his presence with thanksgiving, just like Psalm 100 said. Come, come what? Into his presence. Did you feel the presence of the Lord this morning? When we come here, when we gather together, there's a very powerful sense of the presence of God in this place. 
I feel it every single time. Come into his presence. You know, in the Old Testament, his presence was represented by the temple, by the, by the, the in the sanctuary, and there was the Holy of Holies, and in the Holy of Holies, there was the, 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 uh, the Ark of the Covenant with the mercy seat, and that is where God met with Moses and would sp- speak to him, and that was really the place of the presence of God. That was where his presence dwelt. But today, where is God's presence today? Well, if you are a born-again Christian today, the Bible says that when Jesus left, that he sent his Holy Spirit, and not only will he be with you, but he will be in you and so today the presence of God is inside of you and so literally wherever you go there you are I had a book that had that title once it's kind of like whether a tree falls to the north or falls to the south wherever it falls there it lies somebody laugh thank you right Joel I never mentioned I've never quoted that to my sons before A thousand times probably, right? A thousand times. But you know, wherever you go, there he is. Because he's with you. And when there's more than one of us, there's more power, right? Because one can put a thousand to flight and two can put 10,000 to flight. And as, Pat, uh, as Dr. Rahal said, shared with us, it's still the one. A cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart because it's not just the husband and the wife, but the, when the Lord's in the marriage, you know, there's power when God is there. No matter what, even with one, there's power when God is there. One can put a thousand to flight because it's not just you alone. It's you and the Holy Spirit dwelling inside you. Enter into his presence. He says, come into his presence, rather, with thanksgiving. Come. And then verse 6 says, oh, come. Let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. There's three different words used there in the Hebrew. The first, he says, come, let us worship. It's translated worship in the English. It's shakah, and it means to depress. In other words, by press down, to, to prostrate prostrate rather in homage to royalty or God to bow down to crouch to fall down flat there's one person I've had in my life for a while who worships here with us she's here today she's one of those people that does this on a regular basis she'll come up to the front and just prostrate herself And I've seen her do that for years. I saw her do that in a previous church I attended. She's nodding her head right now. She humbles herself before the Lord and falls prostrate. That's what this word means when it says, Oh, come, let us worship. When you worship God, first of all, you need to understand you are worshiping someone way greater than you. He's so much higher than you are. As high as the heavens are above the earth is is how how much higher he is than you are. How high is the heavens above the earth? Let me tell you right now, it cannot be measured how high it is. Because God is immeasurable. We can be measured. I was reading a a book with my wife. And the the first thing it talked about was that the moment we're born, what, what happens to us? We're measured. And immediately we realize that we are human and we are not God. Because God cannot be measured. From the moment you're born, you're measured. This is how much you weigh. This is how long you are. All this kind of stuff. You get your footprint. This is how big your foot. You're measured. God is measureless. 
As high as the heavens are above the earth, so much higher are his ways than my ways. So much greater are his thoughts than my thoughts. He's immeasurable. So when you worship, that that word means to lay flat, to fall flat on your face. And then it says, and and come, let us worship and, and bow down. And that's the word kara, and it means to bend the knee. You don't just do that before anyone. I don't go in the grocery store to pay my bill and bow to the knee to the person I'm giving the money to. I don't know why that came into my mind. (laughs) I don't do it to you either. And you don't do it to me. We're called to do it to Almighty God. To Yahweh. And the next word is to kneel. That's Barak. And it means to kneel, which would be both knees. And all three of these forms of worship are forms that are telling us that we need to humble ourselves before a mighty God. That we need to walk humbly before a mighty God. So he's saying, oh, come, let us sing. There's, there's a rejoicing that we're supposed to do, and there's a humbling that we're supposed to do at the same time. And they aren't in contradiction to one another. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. This is for our good. The rest of this portion here in the front is filled with salad. Oh, it's another dad joke. You'll get it in a minute. <laughs> Let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise. Let us come into his presence. Let us make a joyful noise. Let us worship. Let us kneel. Let us. There's a lot of lettuce in this chapter. Sorry, guys. Sorry. So I have to apologize to my sons. I'm sorry for that stupid joke. But anyway, that's what it says. Come, let us, let us sing to the Lord. Then it says, let us make a joyful noise to the rock. All of these things are for our good. When you sing this morning, all right, who was it that said to me the other day? Was it you, Christina? She said she's glad the worship is so loud because... She likes to sing at the top of her lungs, and she says, and no, it, it might be a joyful noise to God, but might, might not be to anyone else. <laughs> to God, it is truly a joyful noise. That's what he wants from us. You know, in, 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 where am I at here? Psalm 95. Psalm 95 has no inscription, and neither does Psalm 94. They might have just ran together at one point. And so you're saying, well, why, would, you know, why is this, this call to come to let us make a joyful noise, to, to let us come into his presence, with, to, to, again, let us make a joyful noise? He repeats it. You know, when God repeats something, there's a reason for that. God wants you to make a joyful noise today. 
It's in there twice. He wants you to make a joyful noise today. Now, if you go back to Psalm 94, let's just go back there for a moment. Let's read this. Let's read what, what possibly in the context of Psalm 95, what some of the circumstances might have been. Oh, Lord God of vengeance, oh, God of vengeance, shine forth. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Repay to the proud what they deserved. O Lord, how long shall the wicked, how long shall the wicked exult? Okay, so the psalmist is, is saying that I, I'm, I'm not in the, the best of circumstances. They pour out their arrogant words. All the evildoers boast. They crush your people, O Lord, and afflict your heritage. They kill the widow and the sojourner and murder the fatherless. And they say, the Lord does not see The God of Jacob does not perceive. Understand, O dullest of the people, fools, when will you be wise? He who planted the ear, does he not hear? Does God not know what's going on in America right now? He does. He who formed the eyes, does he not see? Does God not see what's happening in America right now? He does. He who disciplines the nations, does, does he not rebuke? He who teaches man knowledge, the Lord, knows the thoughts of man, that they are but a breath. Blessed is the man whom you discipline, O Lord, and to whom you teach out of the law, to give him rest from days of trouble until a pit is dug for the wicked. For the Lord will not forsake his people. He will not abandon his heritage. If we're being disciplined as a nation right now, does that mean God has forsaken us? Absolutely not. It's for our good. It's for the waking up. And that's, did you read that, Joel, in, in, in Romans 13? It's, we, it's time for us to wake up from our slumber. For justice will return to the righteous and all the upright in heart will follow it. Who rises up for me against the wicked? Who stands for me against evildoers? If the Lord had not been my help, my soul would soon have lived in the land of silence. When I thought my foot slips, your steadfast love, O Lord, held me up. When the cares of my heart are many, your consolations cheer my soul. Can wicked rulers be allied with you, those who frame injustice by statute? No, they cannot. So when there are wicked rulers, they're not in league with the Lord. He is allowing it to happen, but they're not in league with him. They band together against the life of the righteous and condemn the innocent to death. Who are the most innocent of all? Babies. Unborn babies. But the Lord has become my stronghold and, the, and my God, the rock of my refuge. He will bring back on them their iniquity. No, for a certainty, no one is getting away with anything. And wipe them out for their wickedness. The Lord our God will wipe them out. The next verse, the next thing you read is, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Listen, the, the context of what it's saying is showing us a dire, dire place. And a, and a dire, dire circumstances. But do you, do you go and, and just, what, what do you do? Do you say, well, God must have forgotten us and let's, let's leave him? No, it's the exact opposite. Now is the time to come to the Lord. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us, let us for the Lord is a great God, a great king above all. Listen, he is above all the gods. You think that anyone is getting away? God is on the throne, and in his sovereignty, he is moving. Amen. 
What else could have woken up the church? Oh, the church was in a bad place. Do you think 9-11 happened because God was happy with the church? Do you think the leaders that he's allowed to be elected are because he's happy with the church? Absolutely not. But we're waking up. We're waking up. He is our God. Verse 7. And we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. He is our God. And we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. And this is where the turn comes. This is where the psalm seems to go in a complete different direction. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Today, God is speaking to us. Do not harden your hearts. as at Meribah, as on the day at Massa in the wilderness. You see, this is the, the children of Israel had witnessed all the mighty works of God. Have you witnessed his mighty works? You know, they saw what he did in Egypt. They saw what he did at the Red Sea. They, they saw even what he was doing in the wilderness. And then listen to what, what happened in Exodus 17. This is the historical context of what's being written here in Psalm 95. It says, All the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin by stages, according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped at Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. That was a big problem. There was a lot of people. Therefore, the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, why, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? You see, the children of Israel and you and me are very much alike. As soon as things start to look a little shady or a little, we start to say, Where's, give me some water to drink. I don't have any water. <clears throat> Somebody give me some water. I'm only kidding. <laughs> it was perfect timing for my throat to go like that. You know what I'm saying? But the people thirsted there for water. And the people grumbled. So they quarreled, and they grumbled. I, I myself never quarrel or grumble. <laughs> but I hear you guys doing it. 
And then what's the next thing? You know, why did you bring us up out of Egypt? This great, awesome deliverance. Now they're saying, why did you even do it? See what circumstances can do to us? They can make us forget how great God is. They can make us forget how awesome God is. You see, the things that you're going through are going to have two effects on you. They're either going to bring you to the place where you soften your heart and call on God, or you're going to harden your heart and turn away from Him. Why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? You think that's what God really is intending? Yeah, but sometimes that's, that's, you know, when our circumstances are so negative in front of us, that's what we think. God, you don't love me anymore. You did this to me. You did that to me. Why did you bring me even out of Egypt in the first place? What? This is the context for what's being said. All of a sudden, the turn comes. Why? Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Massa and at Mirabah. He says, when your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work, have you seen God work? Then just know that he's fighting for you whether or not you feel it, see it, or know it. If you're thirsty for water right now and there doesn't seem to be any water around, let me tell you, God's got water coming for you. Wait. Wait. For 40 years I loathe that generation. They are people who go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways. Therefore I swore my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. It never really says they shall not enter my rest, but if you go to Numbers chapter 14... This is where it says it, but truly as I live, this is when they went to spy out the land and they came back with a bad report. Truly as I live and as, as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, none of the men who have seen my glory and my signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and yet have put me to the test these ten times and have not obeyed my voice shall see the land that I swore to, the, to give to their fathers. That was the promised land. He's saying they're not going to enter my rest. They're not going to get to see this promise. And none of those who despise me shall see it. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit. Listen, this is what we want today, brothers and sisters. We want a different spirit. You know, when we look at everything that's going on in the world right now, we can become discouraged. We can become depressed. I can tell you that on many election days, I have been depressed. I'm not supposed to mention that, right? You know, and as I watch the same thing happening in 2022 that happened in 2020, it can be depressing if my eyes are not on the Lord. But this year, more than ever before, my eyes are on the Lord. And in all honesty, I don't care what happens. And as a matter of fact, I expect the turn to be complete. I've expected it from the beginning. And it's happening again right in front of our very eyes. And you want to know what? Right. 
because our hope, right? No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all of its strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love to deliver them from death and to keep them alive in famine. You see, whatever, see we're, we're in a famine right now. In the, in the United States of America. And it's not a famine for th- food or a thirst for water. I was reading in the prophet Amos this morning, in Amos chapter 8, it's not a famine for food or a thirst for water, but it's a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. You see, in the church of Jesus Christ, there has been a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. And that's why so many in the church of Jesus Christ are sleeping and need to wake up. But he's going, to keep, he's going to deliver you from death and keep you alive in this famine. Listen, God has a plan for Edgewood Church. God has a plan for you, and God has a plan for me. The most important thing is that we do not harden our hearts. That we c- continually have a fresh relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay, I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. I'm going to mention a few things here. What does a hardened heart look like? Did any of you attend the uh, documentary and discussion last Friday night? Was it called The Matter of Life? Is that The Matter of Life? Did any of you? Okay. A few of you. How many of you attended the, the, the Choices Pregnancy uh, Benefit Banquet here? There was, there was 20 of us there. We heard a testimony by Dr. Anthony... Levitino. He was pro-life. But he was also going to school to be an OBGYN. <laughs> and he, um, in his study, he had to do abortions. He was pro-life, but it was something that he had to do for his work, so he did it. And he explained the process. I'm not going to go into it for you. But when you hear the process, or if you've ever actually seen, as I have, an abortion, you know what is happening. This is not a judgment on anyone here who has had an abortion. God loves you and there is forgiveness. This is not a judgment on any of you who have performed them because Dr. Anthony Levitino performed over 1,200 of them in his life. He repented eventually, but he had he allowed his heart to become hardened. Why? How did that happen? Well, when society says something is okay, and the Lord says it's not okay, society saying it's okay allows you to harden your heart against what God says is not okay. 
And so this man who started out pro-life would do abortions without even thinking about it. Until one day something happened in his own life. He himself couldn't have children. They adopted. And one day they heard a screeching of a car outside their front door and his six-year-old daughter was hit and killed. The next day he was scheduled, or the, the next week or whenever, I don't know, but was it within a week of time, he was scheduled to do another abortion. And he said it was the first time that he actually saw. He explained how they have to make sure the whole baby is there. And it was the first time that he looked at the parts that he actually saw the baby. Why did he never see it before? Because his heart was hard. Today, what day is that? How many of you realize that you've never taken a breath? There has never ever been one moment of your life that it wasn't today. Ever. Because as soon as tomorrow comes, it's today. Every waking moment of your life has been today. And today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as they did at Meribah and in the wilderness at Massa when they put me to the test. This is what God is saying to the church of Jesus Christ in 2022. More evidence for hardened hearts. Imagine that you've just been called into the middle school principal's office to have a serious talk about your daughter. You're worried. Is, is it her grades? Is it her behavior? Is she hurt? Instead, the principal tells you that your daughter, your 12-year-old little girl, is now your son. That behind your back, the school's been educating your preteen daughter for months in total secret about how to transition her gender. And they've instructed her to keep it hidden from you because you can't be trusted. That you, her parent, are not safe. But now, she has a new name, new pronouns, a new bathroom, and you just need to accept it. This happened to Jessica Conan when they called her into her daughter's school in California and this nightmare was played out in real life. This isn't a made-up story. What allowed that 
school, the teachers, the principals, to harden their heart in such a way that they could agree to this. On election day, Montana voters were given the option to affirm or deny Legislative Referendum 131 being signed into law. With nearly all the votes in as of Thursday afternoon this week, the Associated Press called the race. With 95% of the votes in, 52.4% of Montana residents voted no on the referendum as opposed to 47.6% who voted yes. The residents had voted yes. If the residents had voted yes, rather, the referendum would have enacted a law guaranteeing that any infant born alive at any stage of pregnancy, protections as a legal person would, would impose... Uh, wait a minute, how did that read there? Yeah, they would be protected as a legal person. That's what it's read. And that it would impose criminal penalties on any health care worker who didn't provide adequate medical care to the babies that were born alive. The measure comes from House Bill 167. But they voted no. So filmmaker and conservative influencer Robbie Starbuck described the no vote. He, he tweeted, Montana voted to let babies die. That just happened this week. He says, let that sink in. All this would have done is force doctors to give care to a living human baby, including if they were born alive after an abortion. He said, what a dark, horrific day. Are our hearts hardened in the United States of America? Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Today, we need revival in the church of Jesus Christ. A wave of repentance across this land. And we need to say, I'm going to take a stand for truth. And I'm not going to allow my heart to become hardened, whatever happens around me. We need to be in the Word of God, brothers and sisters. And we need to continue to gather together because we need one another. We really need one another in this time. And this is also why we're having small groups. Because you've got to understand that the target of all these things that are happening in our country is the Christian community. Because we are the only ones who are going to stand up and say that this is an abomination. But we can't be afraid. Because God has filled us with His Spirit. And so God says to us, Come.
Let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are also his. The sea is his, for he made it. And his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Let's stand and let's worship the Lord this morning. Let us sing unto the Lord. Let's make a joyful noise and exalt and magnify Spirit. 